0: Today I talk with Pep Alaya, he founded several companies amongst which the Zero agency CXL, the user research tool Copytesting.io and his new education startup Adept. Today we have two main topics, namely copy testing and how to differentiate yourself as an agency. My name is Giro Janssen and welcome to Shiro Cafe, the award-winning podcast where I show you the behind the scenes of large and small optimization and growth teams and talk with their specialists about data and human-driven optimization. My goal with the Cafe podcast is to make websites and the lives of optimization specialists a lot better. And we're doing this by spreading a mindset of experimentation and validation. You are a vital part in reaching this goal. And one important way for you to help out is by sharing relevant episodes with your colleagues. And if you yourself are not subscribed yet, make sure you are by checking this in the podcast app. It really means a lot and your actions do make a difference. So thank you for doing this. In case you missed the previous episode, last week I spoke with Johnny Longdon from Journey Further about embedding experimentation into agile product development. You can listen to that episode on www.zero.cafe or in the podcast app you're listening with right now. This episode of Zero Cafe is made possible by our partners, Online Dialogue, Sidespec, Online Influence Institute, Content Square, and Comfort.com. Welcome to season two, episode 46. Yeah, Pep, welcome to the Zero Cafe podcast. And to kick things off, we'd love to know a bit more about your background because, as most of us, you also didn't study Zero at school, right? No, yeah. How did you roll <laughs> into Zero?
1: I, I was a, like a marketing consultant, you know, a bit of SEO, PPC, all that stuff. And then one of my clients actually handed me a book by the Eisenberg brothers, uh, waiting for a cat to bark, I think. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And you know, then started googling, and they had a blog back then. This is like 2008, maybe. Yeah. And uh, a few people were writing about it, and then I was there was an internet marketing company, Mind Valley, that's still around. Now they do personal development, whatever. But back then they were also writing about their split tests and like they were, it was like make money online type of blog. And so that's that's kind of how I got started. And then when I wanted to start my own marketing blog in 2011, I was just um, I knew I need to needed to niche down. I can't just write about marketing, and so I started to basically do some market research. What kind of niches of marketing are not that? Competitive, let's say, and then my analysis showed that CRO was very uncompetitive. You know, like not very many blog. I think Invest had a blog back then, and yep. um, I'm not sure if Wider Funnel had. Maybe they didn't. I uh, yep. Like there were very few, uh, and yep. the, the articles were very basic and superficial and short. And I was like, I could, I could, you know, I could build something here. And so I decided to start a CRO blog and also by, by starting the blog, I decided to become a CRO person. And when you specialize in something, you know, you actually start getting better at that one thing because you only do that one thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's why, um. I, I I like to go on stage and talk about CRO, especially in the beginning. I just I just signed up for talks about CRO, mm-hmm. uh, I think in, um, in 2012 or something, just signed up because I, I want to know more about this. And then if they pick yeah. me, then I have to actually.
1: <laughs> totally. Like I was writing blog posts basically as an investigative journalist. Yeah. Like I picked a topic and then... I forced myself to do research like everything that's been written about a topic yeah. i'm going to compile it into a you know summary post. that was my blogging strategy yeah. you know at, at the very start
0: yeah and i think i i read that basically your blogging strategy was also if i write an article it has to be the best article in the world about exactly. this particular topic right
1: exactly right yeah so because as i said uh, the other cro blogs were not very good and so i created like internal standards that if I do this, 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 like write long form articles, every claim back up by data, all that stuff, yeah. then I can dominate. And uh, I did.
0: Yeah, exactly, and and for anyone um, that has ever read a CXL blog post, you're very aware that they are indeed long form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's usually not a, a couple of hundred words, there's a couple of uh, thousand words maybe, and um, as someone working in CRO and talking about copy uh, uh, more than once a week, um, you probably have heard, just like I have, uh, that, that's, uh, that people say, well, people don't read online. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: it is true. They skim, you yeah. know, we spend a lot of time looking at text, but do we read every single word? Uh, typically not, but of course, it depends on how interested we are mm-hmm. in something you know like if if it's like a bunch of fine print legalese, but like there's a possibility that I'm signing away my house. We're going to read everything, right? Yeah. The same way, like if if you're actually deeply interested in the topic, you're going to read it. But knowing that most people are not deeply interested, most people are, you know, waiting for uh, in the line and Starbucks or whatever, then, you know, they're going to skim. They're just going to just casually browse. And then you need to design your copy and write your copy in a way that is suitable for people who don't read everything.
0: Yeah. So, so that, that didn't mean for you that you just, okay, people just skim. So let's make my article shorter. So well, how, di- how did you go about that?
1: Uh, the long article um, decision was threefold. So one was that the superficial, if if your article is three to 500 words, you can't really add, add depth to it. Mm-hmm. So if to really go deep, you just, you need more words. That's one. Two, back then there was data, which is still true today, that if you, look, if you look which kind of blog posts get the most backlinks, SEO backlinks, or most social media shares, it's long articles. There are very few exceptions, you know, Seth Godin, but it's because he's a celebrity, you know, he yeah. can write, you know, 100 word articles, but everybody else, I mean, it's still true today that you need to write long articles to get backlinks because again, when other people write their blog posts and they want to link to a source that's reputable, they look at your longest blog post, hey, this seems, you know, dense. <laughs> it's good enough, yeah, exactly. I'll link to this one, you know.
0: I haven't read it, but it's very long, so it's prob- probably better for my personal e- brand if I share long, <laughs> because exactly. it sounds interesting.
1: People might think that I actually read it, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, so what would you say um, uh, in general, if, if, if you would compare copy to all, all the other elements on a page, what is the impact of copy? How, how important is... Mm-hmm. copy if, if we're just skimming and
1: totally uh well it it really depends on what what is um what is the brand you know because mm-hmm. apple doesn't need too much copy even though if you look at their sales pages you know they, they add quite a bit uh but uh, visual brands obviously if it's Gucci handbags or whatever they need less words right but for a lot of i would say majority of the products it is the copy that sells them So anything that is expensive, anything that is complicated, you know, your B2B software or, uh, you know, anything that is not, not that visual needs a lot of copy. So at CXL Institute, for instance, so we have, we sell online courses and we have like more than 50, each course has their own sales page. Then we have PPC landing pages and webinar landing pages, and these are all copy heavy. You know, it's like mostly words, minimalistic design, which is kind of like our you know, visual brand is minimalistic mm-hmm. design. And so we learned very quickly that in order to increase the conversion rate on those pages, we need to make the words better. We need to improve the copy. Uh, so for us, copy is like 90%. If and in in general, like if, uh, a couple of years ago, I think, you know twenty eighteen or something, we we built our own CXL AB test basically library. Looking back at all the tests we've run in over the years, and what was it that um, what was the test about? Uh, like what? And we were basically trying to figure out what kind of tests proved to be winners. Mm -hmm. and in a nutshell most of the winning tests were copy focused it might have been you know you know uh, not like a major 2000 word rewrite but like adjusting wording here the better headline better button copy better presentation better value proposition, you know things like that so copy is huge and obviously there's the unbounce stat get that came out from their uh i don't remember how many thousands of landing pages um that they found that copy predicts copy is two times more influential than design i think copy predicts 28% of the conversion rate versus design yeah. was like 13 or something
0: and and how do you go about finding where the where the copy Mm. Um it is, is is well up for improvement. Because I, I feel for me personally that it, it's it's a well not necessarily a black hole <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's it's very difficult to find out where copy is, is lacking because if you go to Google Analytics it's not gonna tell you uh, where where your copy uh, needs improvement. Totally, yeah, same yeah, yeah. same and a lot of for a lot of research or heat maps. Um I mean I can figure out where stuff is broken in general, uh, but finding out where it's where copy is broken how to improve Uh it that's very hard not a lot of tests are designed to do that so how how would i what would be your tip for people to go how how do you go about Mm. finding out
1: well i i would say that it's it's a lot like any type of conversion research let's say that we just look at the website and we're gonna see how how can we make it better Mm -hmm. now if the website is not very optimized it's like crappy design and then like uh, has typos and you don't know what they're talking about it's very easy to say hey make it more clear you know what you, what this yeah. is about and you need to improve this design this and that way but if if you're if you have above average design and copy it's very hard to eyeball it so what you have now is that you need to do research you need to do conversion research quantitative qualitative to understand what the problems are and so optimizing copy is very much the same unless it's really obviously terrible and you can see hey you know I don't understand what what this is about you need to do research to understand what is wrong with it so uh the he- conversion heuristics you know like where we need to improve the clarity is very applicable to copy if i don't understand what this is about i'm not going to buy so you rate the clarity you uh, And and, you know, so copy testing is the methodology. It's also the SaaS tool that uh, we built, launched this year, which is exactly what it does. It it asks questions, research questions about copy from the audience that um, the um, website is intended for, essentially to understand where the sources of friction. Because you know, in behavioral design. In, in order to increase the conversion research, sorry, in order to increase conversions, you need to increase motivation and lower friction, right, in a nutshell. Yeah. So in the copy, same way, like what can we do to make it more persuasive and what can we do to make, reduce friction? And how do you find out? Well, ask the people, ask the people, how do they feel about it? Do they feel it's clear? Do they feel that this argument is speaking to them? And so on.
0: And uh, you, with Copytesting.com, you're obviously, you're, you're collecting uh, uh, more and more input, not only for your own site, but also for, for Copytesting.com, uh, the, the clients. So what do you see um, is usually the issue with the copy? Is it, um, well, not phrase right? Is it, is it confusing? Is it, is it like off-brand? It doesn't, it's not matching with the overall uh, brand perception? What are the issues that you that you see?
1: I would I say that um, the most common issues is is still clarity as I already mentioned. Clarity is like people tend to be super vague, and especially you can see this in B two B copy, where they, um, you know companies all often use big words, fancy words that sound nice but actually not saying anything. You know, like we're you know using the um, latest ai technology to improve conversions and then it's like well what does that actually mean you know like
0: (laughs) what technology yeah
1: yeah like what 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 are you actually doing there and you know and like is it the navy like you don't actually understand so is
0: it ai or is it machine learning or is it
1: (laughs) and you know and what does you know is it the navy testing tool or whatever you know so so clarity is is a big issue uh, and so, so does the, that
0: mean, does it mean that people need to be more specific? Is that, is that usually sure. the, the, the resolution for this?
1: More specific as well as use language that you would actually use in a conversation with a fellow human being.
0: Sitespect offers a worldwide unique A-B testing, personalization and product recommendation solution. Sitespect works server-side without any tags or scripts which guarantees an optimal performance. The Sitespec solution eliminates delays and the chance of any flickering effects, and this approach also ensures that the current and future browser security rules like ITP and ETP don't make an impact on your A-B testing and personalizations. For more info, visit Sitespec.com. So uh, people um, um, give you the data. Okay, we want to uh, want to have this evaluated. Where are the problems usually? Is it is it uh, the headlines? Is it like product descriptions, call to actions? What are people? What are people visiting sites usually stumble upon?
1: I think there are two, 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 two types of issues that we um, that we find, and one is like that I call copy blind spots. Copy mm-hmm. blind spots is that you write all these things about your product or service people read through the whole thing and they still don't get it. They still have questions. So in a normal situation, uh, I mean, in a normal, I mean, in the physical world, I go to the shop, there's a salesperson. I can ask questions. There's a back and forth. Yeah. Online copies all you have. So if your copy doesn't answer every single question a prospect might have, you know, it's, it's a, you're losing out on money. Yeah. But often when you're writing, when you know the product so well and you're writing the copy about your product, you forget what it's like to be somebody who doesn't know this product. So you you don't mention every every single thing. And some people, that come to the site, they read it, they're like, oh, I don't know, like, does it do this? Does it do that? And you don't, you're not going to call, you're not going to like file a support ticket and ask, uh, maybe if there's live chat on the website can, you know. Quickly sort it out, but if it's a chatbot, and chatbots are usually idiots, you know, like yeah. you, you just abandon purchase. Um, there are two studies that I've seen on this where Norman Nielsen had a study saying that uh 20% of purchases are abandoned because of um poor copy, incomplete copy, mm-hmm. and IDC, a market research company, looked at a bunch of B2B websites and said even 50% of purchases are abandoned because they don't contain the full information. People read it and they still have questions. So copy testing will tell you where your blind spots are, which is huge. Two is that people have objections. Like you say something, you claim something, and they're like, mm, I don't know about that. And so unless you figure out what is it that they have, you know, like a problem with, you know, wh- yeah. wh- wh- So here, uh, here's an example. So there's this company called supply, they make uh, razor blades, you know, you know, the Gillette Mach three has like three or four blades, you know, like the, the, the mainstream brand, that's, a, and supply has a single blade uh, razor. And a lot of people had questions and like, like, I don't believe a single blade can actually be as good. And, and their copy, they didn't really spend too much time explaining why a single blade is, is better, or like, why, why prefer a single blade? And another mm-hmm. thing was, this uh, supply blade is 75 dollars compared to, you know, there's a dollar shave club, you know. So 75 bucks is a very expensive, non-electric razor, yep. and people had all kinds of issues with it, all kinds of problems. And the copy on the website did not address any single thing. So people come, they're like, "Oh, what is this made of? Like, where is it made? Is it in, made in China or America, or you know, like all kinds of things?" And um, if you don't know what people, what problems people have, then uh, yeah. you know you have a problem.
0: Yeah. So, so the the copy itself might still be fine, but you're still leaving questions unanswered.
1: C- questions un- unanswered, and you don't handle objections, and online you know like in a sales situation you can like they say oh well i don't know about that or whatever then you can say well actually it is so good blah 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 because all these things online you have to preempt you know the objection is coming and so you have to write about it like address it um yeah, yeah cuz that's your only chance
0: for me, the, the most obvious example of, of this popping up in in, in research was um, on, a, on a website where, and this actually was more like a, also a cultural thing where we saw that uh, when we tested the website, uh, specifically with Germans, um they always well almost always went uh through the terms and conditions page that that happened nowhere <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> But in, the germans went to the terms and conditions page uh to look up for the questions that were on the, unanswered uh in in the copy like and delivery on, times or yeah, exactly delivery to, and, and okay if if i'm if i want to return the product what happens oh yeah i uh, are very the, interested in doing that
1: and all the roses cut exactly at 22 centimeters
0: <laughs> exactly. That's what they were interested in. And that's that's something we didn't see in other countries. But but still it uh uh, adding that information uh, for non-Germans already had an impact. On, also, had a positive impact on conversion because we didn't see that behavior, but th- mm. those people apparently still had those questions. Um, so, yeah, my tip would be test your website at least with with Germans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, who, whoever you're selling to. So, the way you you want to conduct copy testing is, you know, sometimes it matter who the. Sometimes you sell mass market products, so basically anybody could be your audience and if you're selling pants you know like everybody wears pants uh maybe unless your pants are like ridiculous or very expensive
0: well with with everyone working from home these days might be less people wearing (laughs) pants yeah (laughs)
1: might be might be but basically the way you conduct copy testing you think about your audience and then you need to recruit them from somewhere you know if it's mass market it's easier if it's more specialized the beautiful thing about uh, the internet is You can go to like Facebook groups that are interest-based. These are all people who want to lose weight or these people into yoga or whatever. And if yoga people are your audience, you can say, hey, would you please come, you know, read my website and leave, uh, answer some questions about it. And then I'll pay you money. It's kind of like user testing works. Similar, similar fashion Uh, or with B2B audiences, of course it's trickier because like, if your copy is about, you know, organic traffic it can't be just anybody in fact we tested this we had a client who was uh, i think a dutch company who uh, service for organic traffic ai something and which we had you know regular people read it and answer research questions and then they were like what does you know like the daily car traffic have to do with organic food like they didn't get it so in B for yep. B2B audiences, the context, like who's reading it really, yep. really matters. And so that that gets trickier. And so with copytesting.com, our service, we have realized that uh, delivering B2B audiences is actually some, it's an unsolved problem. It's a big yep. problem. Uh, so our, the future of the product is actually uh, like we're getting, dedicating, dedicating a lot of resources to solving, delivering B2B audiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I can imagine that you guys already building your own uh, audiences mm-hmm. to, to test this, right? But I can imagine that for, for a lot of companies, it's it's relevant to actually be able to to well, basically give you a list of their audience, totally even email addresses to to approach them.
1: Exactly. So using your own panel might work. Your own you know, email list people. The problem with that is that if they're already familiar with you and your service, there's bias in there. They don't have yeah. all the questions. They know how your stuff works. So they're, they're not actually the best audience to read your, your web copy and, and give you data on it, insights on it. So you want actually people who have never heard of you, who are like skeptical about you.
0: Yeah. Well, it depends a bit on, on what you want to optimize, right? I mean, if if it's a B2B environment where people do uh, now reorder stuff, then that might also be very relevant to just validate it with, with your existing audience, right?
1: It, it could be, it could be, yeah. Yeah, with CXL and copy testing, like there's a symbiosis. So... We have you know some hundred and twenty-five thousand people in the um, CXL newsletter uh, database, and so we are recruiting our B two B panel from the CXL email list. So we have a you know uh, it's mainly marketers, so we have a very strong marketing panel. So any title you want, SEO director, brand people, you know, you name it, we we have that's them. easy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. easy. Uh, security warehouse managers not so
0: much. <laughs> exactly, that's a bigger challenge. Hey, what, what do I want to know so, what are the things when um, uh, when running experiments on copy when, when validating copy? Mm-hmm. Are there any particular things to take into co- account there versus well, <laughs> regular or, or more visual? Uh, copy I think it's it, it, to me. It, it feels usually it's a bit easier. I mean every tool there can be uh, quite some things uh, Quite a lot of things that go wrong different browsers different uh, mm. uh, Devices of course copy f- always feels a bit relatively easier, but I'm not sure totally
1: you... I think you could even set up a test with WYSIWYG editors, you know, yeah um, Not Not. nothing much difficult there the problem uh one challenge with changing copies, like if you think that changing one word will make a big difference, it usually doesn't because it's a small change. And since people mostly don't read the skim, they might not even notice that you changed a couple of words. Although I have seen a very particular case uh, for CXL uh, itself where a single word made a huge difference. Okay. So I wrote... So our CXL brand, you know, like we're... We're kind of taking this uh, hostile brand approach. We're running a lot of ads saying, like, it's too difficult. The CXL Institute content and, you know, like, need to work hard. It's not easy. So we're kind of, like, you know, anti-selling anti, anti selling it or, you know. Uh, and so I've wrote a version of uh, the CXL Institute copy that was very much, like, over the top. This is too difficult. You're not good enough for this. You're going <laughs> to fail. You're probably a loser. And so i used this word badass Mm -hmm. in the copy like oh it takes a real badass to actually go through this and i didn't think twice about this word um and then when i looked at the results of the copy test uh i was floored so out of 20 people that we tested it on which is you know a good sample for a qualitative uh you know assessment uh probably <laughs> out of twenty people, like sixteen had a problem with it. Okay. They like singled out this one word. I was yeah. like, whoa. I I even forgot I wrote it, but like yeah. they noticed this one word. So it it's possible the one word can trigger. And obviously if it's the headline or a button copy that is more isolated from the rest of the copy, it can have an impact. Yeah. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, it's 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 surprising sometimes how, how a single element can Infuriate people. I had a similar thing with uh, people seeing um, w- w- on a, on a gift store e-commerce uh, uh, gifting where people had to fill in the the phone number of the person they're sending uh, the gift to. It was oh, a yeah. man- mandatory field, no explanation, and people really got pissed off about that. <laughs> like it's 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 uh, I don't have it because why should you? Uh, sure. uh, it's it's a surprise. So are you going to call this person? What's happening? Yeah, yeah, or are you going to yeah, yeah. spam them? They really got pissed off. So it's funny to see how how small things, well, things that you didn't think twice about uh, can take off uh, people. Yesterday's brainstorm was so good. I really liked Steph's idea of running that test on the call to action buttons. Making them orange will really make them stand out, don't you think? Yeah, right. Do you want to design real A-B test winners and achieve enormous conversion uplift? Then stop brainstorming and take a scientific approach. If you can read Dutch, follow the steps in Online Influence, the bestseller on managementbook.nl. Or enroll in the author's course and become an expert in applying proven behavioral science yourself. Go to OnlineInfluence.com for more information and free downloads. What I also wanted to talk about, we we just uh, talked a lot about, uh, about copy. Um, you've written a book about differentiation, right?
1: Well, uh, I haven't written about it. I've written the book so far. I only have a blog post. But I started to write a book about differentiation. I started to write one uh, this last winter. Yeah. And then COVID hit, and suddenly... It um, it didn't seem relevant anymore somehow at a, at a time so I kind of left it and um, now time has passed and I guess we're all used to the new normal I think mm-hmm. we're past uh, like in at in the spring times March April there was a lot of anxiety and you know like what's going to happen now we know it's going to be like this for another year or something you know so it's yeah. calm. And so yeah I do intend to pick it up I have a little bit changed the direction of where I'm taking the book so basically strategy differentiation and branding yeah it's kind of like a holy trinity they all play together and affect each other and so so I do a lot of reading and thinking about this and
0: uh yeah but when I read about uh you, you, well your tweets or or blogs about this there seems to be there's a a very um, uh, well a lot of frustration almost with with how uh, brands approach this and, and and go for sameness all the time or and, and don't right. differentiate enough. So I, I was wondering, so where does this come from? How do you how do you look at this and and what are what are brands doing wrong basically?
1: Well, I don't know exactly how it all came to be, but if you look at competing companies in basically any mature category, they're all saying the exact same thing about themselves, as if they were the only one in the world doing that thing. Yeah. You know, and SaaS is an easy one to pick on, or if, especially if we look at like uh, super saturated categories like email marketing. They all say, "Oh, easy to send, you know, easy easy to use email marketing or send beautiful newsletter." I mean, what a, email marketing software doesn't send newsletters? <laughs> and you can, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just so, it baffles me. So basically, you know? if, if you would do a research and just just block out the the logos uh, and and just ask people which brand this is, they won't be able to say that based on exactly the, the right. And,
1: and then yeah. I I tried hard to find a brand that is truly differentiated in in, in, uh, in SaaS. And so I asked a lot of people and often people came back to me and say, oh yeah, Mailchimp, they are really dif- differentiated. And so if you go to Mailchimp's website, like everything they say is plain vanilla, something that anybody could say, especially now there's this all-in-one tool even. Um, but of course, what is different about Mailchimp is that Mailchimp is the market leader. They're mm-hmm. the biggest, email marketing uh, software out there. Yeah. Now um, there's this really great book um, called How Brands Grow. It's nothing about branding, actually. It's just some marketing studies and it makes an eloquent case where that awareness or market penetration matters way more than differentiation. So the fact that people know that you exist you become part of their you know, consideration set, yep. especially in like in, in B2B, because when I'm deciding which email marketing software to use, I only consider maybe four or five different ones. And it's, these are most certainly tools that I have heard of. Yeah. So once you have passed that hurdle, people have heard about you, they know that you exist, differentiation matters much uh, less. So MailChimp doesn't need to be different. Others need to be different from MailChimp. It's the same way, like, let's say, new A-B testing software comes out tomorrow. And if it's exactly like Optimizely or VWO or, you know, then it's like, well, why would I ever consider this new tool,
0: Yeah,
1: right? And if, uh, or if it's just like Google Optimize, again, like,
0: well, why would I bother, yeah.
1: Why would I bother with this new tool? And this tool is dead on arrival. You cannot come to the market as an unknown, as an upstart, in a mature market and, and think you can grab some market share. I mean, maybe if you spend a lot of money, like it has, it has happened in the, in the CRM category where Monday.com came, mm-hmm. uh, not CRM, this is project management. So Monday.com, I don't know how many billions they spent on ads <laughs> or like millions. Uh, but like they, I think they bought their way into awareness. So yeah. I think it's, it's totally, totally possible, but, most of us don't have that kind of money and still there are no guarantees that uh you can you can buy your way into it you know without just burning the money so as a small company you definitely want to have differentiating angle same with phones you know like we have samsung phones apple phones and and whatever if you're an upstart phone making company like they all use the same snapdragon you know stuff inside so like why? Why would I use this new brand unless you're considerably cheaper, uh, and you can do that sustainably? Or you know,
0: I I've I this great. I think it's a a, a TED talk, a animated a TED talk, and they explain uh, why why companies uh, that are similar always are in the same location, the <sighs> physical location. So it's like mm. uh, car sales dealers. Why are they always next to each other? Wouldn't it make make way more sense? Uh, totally. to, to spread out, uh, and and they, they explain uh, uh, why it actually works for them uh, to be in the same uh, same location, and that that's uh, talking about physical space. But I think the, the, the similar um, uh, trends uh, is is happening with online. It, it it benefits those companies that are established already uh, to become more similar. Uh, similar, I guess.
1: Probably because uh, you know, like let's say how B two B software purchasing works is that. You, 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 you look at the superficial like features. You know, let's take Drift versus Intercom. So they used to have some differentiation. Now, if you look at their feature set, basically it's identical. Yeah. The only thing that's different is, is the brand and how they kind of like position themselves. And uh, Drift has changed their strategic narrative even twice now. And I think it's because because of the competitor benchmarking, uh, why the sameness occurs is like you always look at, you know, how is that dif- uh, competitor different or better than you are? And if they have that feature, we're gonna have that feature too, which is why features can never be a sustainable source of uh, differentiation. Yeah. And as B two B buyers, they're gonna they're gonna make like a matrix. They're like, yeah. oh, how are they different? And if they're not different, then I mean, then it's about sales negotiation or. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. all those and things.
0: You read uh, uh, some b- books on, on branding and differentiation. I, th- I think you even said, well, actually most books are not on about differ- differentiation at all. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so w- what would be a good, is there a book that's, that stood out for you on, on differentiation?
1: <clears throat>
0: or, there, there's actually,
1: <laughs> there are very few books out there. I mean, the classic uh, Differentiate or Die, I think that's still a good one. Yeah. I uh, like that one. Uh, and today basically if I had to say like what is a one sustainable competitive uh, advantage you can have or differentiation it's it's brand yeah. so um, there's a book called different by uh, young me Moon and that's about how you can uh, differentiate th- through brand uh, that's a good one that I can recommend but otherwise there's there's surprisingly little, written about differentiation uh it's yeah. it's, uh, it's it's kind of like a an afterthought really and yeah. if and and it shows because if you look at you know categories uh, whatever business categories like companies are so similar especially like uh, my favorite example is hotels it's like every single hotel has the same type of check-in process and then you go to the the room they have in the bathroom they have the same stuff. They have the, the the soap and the shampoo and the shower cap, but no toothpaste, no toothbrush. Um, why? Yeah. Why are they all like that? It's because they copy each other. So it would be very easy to just be the anti-pattern, you know, like exceed yeah. the expectation. Like what can a hotel chicken look like? If everything was possible and everything is possible, I, mean, I think you know there's some low-hanging fruits there.
0: Yeah. So and and so branding is uh, for established companies. Uh, branding is the oh. only thing basically that's left uh, to differentiate on. Uh, but but for for startups, you say you startups. That's that's uh, where your opportunity is if you want to uh, basically uh, attack the established uh, order. Um, so what are things that they should differentiate or are, are there specific areas uh, that are especially effective or can be anything
1: <clears throat> well there is kind of like a, a laundry list of things i mean there is the if you're a startup you can be the first one doing something like say copy testing.com is the only tool for this thing it's not going to be like that forever you know like there are going to be copycats and other things so but there is a, a first to market Advantage that you can ride on for a while. Yep. Uh, you can be the the, the innovator uh, in in a space. Also, like Tesla cars, you know, Tesla used to be the electric car company. Now, of course, every car company is producing electric cars, and soon their batteries will be same as Tesla. So, unless Tesla can play the innovators' game and be always two steps ahead, I mean, remains to be seen if. Over ten years, uh, they can keep that up. But uh, yep. so that that is a that is a way, and then um, um, you can specialize for a specific target market. So yep. it's like invoicing for you know uh, heavy metal bands. You know, of yep. course, <laughs> there needs to be enough market there uh, to support you, or uh, you can um, um, attribute leadership. So attribute leadership. Basically, is that that you double down for one use case, or you're better better at some aspect? Like Zappos, uh, which Amazon bought many years ago, you know they were known for customer service. Yeah. Uh, or WP Engine used to be known for super fast WordPress hosting. You know now, now of course, very competitive space, but I think that WP Engine still owns that in the uh, in people's minds that yeah. positioning. So, you choose one attribute uh that you wanna be uh best at, so if I were to build a new a b testing tool, I don't know what attribute could you uh double down on like the best code editor, or like I don't know probably not enough uh, you know like <laughs> yeah. you need to you need to think about it uh so so that's yeah. or or you make your products in a special way, so you know all beer is made like this, but we make the beer that way, you know like exactly there's something something different about it, uh, yeah. yeah. And of course, customer experience, you know, like customer experience is kind of like brand. Anybody could differentiate on on, on experience.
0: Yeah, and I think especially in B2B, there's, there's there are way more chances to do that, right? Uh, companies being traditional.
1: Well, I mean, even in plain services, like imagine a, a plumbing service, because plumbing is a commodity, yeah. like so many plumbers. But what if what if the way they answer the phone or send you reminders and like you could go above and beyond, you know, like yeah. you could you could really differentiate. And when you call there, you, they could have something going on like that is like super VIP service. I don't know, you know.
0: Yeah, and uh, well, everything is a, a subscription these days. So maybe there's a subscription for for plumbing, and uh, <laughs> but but it's hard to sustain, right? I and mean, it's easy to copy uh, those those kind of uh, things.
1: Yeah, I mean if it's successful it will most certainly be copied. So, I mean yeah. there is advantage of being first. There's a lot of uh examples of being the original, you know, Coca-Cola, the original cola and and so on. So, but the execution of obviously like whether you're able to execute on that that vision because we also know uh you know a lot of cases where first ones faded away, you know, so, social networks or whatever.
0: Of course we have a lot of guests here in the CRO cafe. Uh do you have any any maybe clients or people in the industry that you think uh we should have on the show? Who should we invite?
1: Let's see. Let me think about the names that I actually follow myself. Um you know what would be a good perspective is uh I think CRO, you know, is still in in many organizations seam as Insignificant tactical, you know, doesn't get enough attention uh, compared yeah. to let's like, sales, or you know, like something that's really important and big. So it it, it would be interesting to have uh, maybe even like a, a panel-like type of thing with like some big company, somebody who's has optimi- uh, experimentation built in as a thing, mm-hmm. and some who are like have a. <laughs> Yeah. Back and forth, um, a SaaS leader that I greatly admire and follow is uh, Jason Lemkin. He has mm-hmm. the Saster conference. Uh, so he, he, you know, he doesn't probably have anything to say about conversion optimization per se, but uh, he's an interesting business
0: guy. Well, if you can connect me with him, then <laughs> that, would be, uh, that would be great. We can ask him uh, for the show. And uh, you said uh, CRO is often not seen as important as sales. Um, I think everyone will agree with that. Uh, Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I think there are some narratives about uh, CRO that have, that really stuck with people where you know, your classic, uh, this is the button copy thing or the color testing. Yeah. And so these small things have really got into a way of people taking it seriously. Uh, we need, I mean...
0: We need CR- to focus on the bigger things.
1: Bigger things for sure. Um, Optimism, experiment. I mean, because a lean startup as a concept is exper- experimentation, right? Yeah. Build, measure, learn. I mean we're doing the same thing except they had the better story and yeah. they're they're talking about it in a bigger scale you know like finding whether what you sell is does somebody want to pay for it so maybe maybe CRO people have also chosen um a smaller battleground you know uh and maybe, you know, maybe um, we've been talking about should we be called something else for, for a decade, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think there's still something to it where if it, it's like the word growth hacking, you know, you say growth hacking, people roll their eyes yeah. uh, and it, it it started off meaning one thing. And then now it's, it's, it's a crypto jerk, you know, it's the same guy as, as a growth hacker, you know, it's, it's a derogatory term, uh, more than, more than anything. So maybe it's also like, we need to like growth engineering or has a positive spin to it. So maybe there's, maybe there, I mean, experimentation, I think has a positive, positive connotation to it. Yeah. Uh, and also when CRO now with the rise of RevOps, it's, you know, chief revenue officer, Maybe, you know, maybe yeah maybe it should be called experimentation yeah, i also
0: I like the term uh validation uh experimentation still if i uh as that uh for people experimentation also feels somehow has a as a like a random connotation like like people think okay we just we just do we experiment we just try random stuff because yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's also not what it is right yeah so yeah it's a, it's a definitely an interesting discussion and probably something we'll we'll continue doing for the next 10 years <laughs> how should we how should we brand ourselves exactly yeah. but, while but again, still branding. being
1: conversion rate optimization Yeah.
0: Exactly. Uh, Pep. thank you so much uh, for joining me on the the podcast. Uh, My final question for you would actually be uh, something uh, I at least look forward to to, uh, each year is the the state of conversion optimization report that you guys uh, every do. Can we expect it this year too? It's a a weird year, of course, but...
1: I think so. You know, I'm not in charge of (laughs) writing it or doing the research, but usually we ship it uh, like first week of December. uh, So I think we're going to do it.
0: Good. Uh, well, if the if the survey is still open, uh, we'll uh, we'll add a link to the uh, to it in in the show notes of the of the podcast, so people can uh, can sign up. Uh, or if the survey is not open yet, we can just link to the report uh, directly. We'll do that. Thank you so much, and um, um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. And this concludes season two, episode 46 of the Zero Cafe podcast with Pep Liar from CXL. Next Monday, I talk with Cassandra Campbell, who leads experimentation and analysis at Shopify. And we'll be talking about the things they experiment on and how they structure their optimization workflows. Talk to you then and always be optimizing.